Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Mara, Days is wrapping up its four weddings and a funeral month with the NUPS Sin fans have been waiting for. Yes, Ben and Ciara will get ready to head down the aisle, but little do they know that there is a bomb planted in the church. Now, Victoria Conafal, who plays Ciara, previews the week in our new issue, and it sounds pretty can't miss. I can tease that it ends with a bang and a cliffhanger because this was actually supposed to be the last week of programming before the soap took its two-week Olympics break. Now that there are no Olympics, the episodes will be pushed up, so we actually won't have to wait too long to see how the drama plays out. There will also be a surprising death during the week, hence the funeral, so it is for sure a tune-in. Well, I think it is a real stroke of luck that Days, as the only show airing original episodes, had such an exciting stretch of shows to offer soap fans. Like Eli and Lonnie's wedding really delivered. Kayla and Steve's reunion was, of course, epic. And shout out to Wally Kurth as a heartbroken Justin. Oh, yeah. Really great work. Allie Sweeney's reentrance onto the canvas like also quickly juiced things up. And I have no doubt that Sin fans will be totally glued to their screens this coming week, especially with, you know, wildcard Claire in the mix. Oh, I could not agree more. You know, there is a lot of good stuff still to come on this show. And in other exciting news, Bold and Beautiful will start airing original episodes on Monday, July 20th, which, I mean, I cannot wait for. And it looks like the first episode will be somewhat of a recap to get viewers up to speed on where we left off, uh, which was a pretty, you know, intense place. I mean, we had Penny Escobar hitting Flo over the head with a (laughs) candlestick. So, I mean, what happened to Flo? Um, You know, when I recently spoke to the show's executive producer and head writer, Brad Bell, he mentioned that Steffi would be getting a new love interest and we now know that it's Tanner Novlin, most famous as the actor in the Liberty Mutual commercial that is airing all over the place. You know, it's funny, speaking of Sin, we actually got a letter from a reader thinking he looked like Robert Scott Wilson, who plays Days' Ben. But the show put out some preview content, so we know that this is a doctor. His name will be Finn. He's going to meet Steffi after she's hospitalized following an accident on her motorcycle that is caused by Bill. Well, I love that setup for a love story. I love a doctor, you know, coming in to, to save the day. And I'm just so excited in general for Steffi to get a new love interest. And if I play my cards right, maybe I will have the chance to one day interview the man who made Liberty Bibberty famous <laughs> on that commercial. <laughs> Another fun fact about Tanner is that he is actually married to a B&B alum, Kayla Ewell, who played Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, 
The idea of Steffi having a shot at a romance with someone whose last name is not Spencer is a refreshing change of pace. And goodness knows she deserves some happiness. So my fingers are crossed for that. Uh, Not to mention, like, I'm totally intrigued by what I will, will imagine will be big drama stemming from the fact that it is Bill who lands Steffi in that hospital and in Dr. Finn's path. Oh, for sure. I mean, I can imagine Ridge won't be too thrilled. Right. <laughs> in other B&B casting news, the show has found a new Zenday. So Rome Flynn last played the part from 2015 to 2017 and won an Emmy for it before he moved on to How to Get Away with Murder. Now we have newcomer Delon Demetz assuming the role. So Delon has quite a pedigree, actually. Uh, he hails from New York City, where he went to my rival high school. A little fun fact there. Um, <laughs> then he went to Harvard, where he majored in economics. So he appeared in the CBS primetime series Zoo, but B&B is his first soap role. And I think it's going to be great to see the character again. Uh, I hope this leads to a general resurrection of the Avon family, since Zende is connected to them by his marriage to Nicole. Yeah, I am, I'm already bracing myself for the potential that Zende and Nicole, such an adorable couple, are no longer. I don't know that for a fact, but if he's returning solo, perhaps there's trouble in paradise. But yes, I would absolutely join you in welcoming a resurgence of the Avon family. Frankly, it's just exciting in and of itself to know that we have new B&B episodes to look forward to right around the corner. I know. And with Y&R's return to production this week, they're next in line. And hopefully before too long, we will once again have a full slate of original soap episodes back on the air. Well, our guest today will play a big role in B&B's first episode back. It's Lawrence St. Victor, better known as everyone's favorite wedding officiant, Carter Walton. <laughs> so let's see what he's been up to and how it's going now that B&B is shooting again. Hi, Lawrence. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Obviously, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on with you and Bold and Beautiful. Mm. But we are going to go back to the beginning starting with you growing up outside of New York City. So tell us how you discovered your interest in the arts and performing. Wow. Um, I think I was always drawn to it. As a kid, I would play with my toys, but make them like movies (laughs) where they had characters and stuff like that. And then I would read comic books out loud. Like I would choose a character and just kind of read the lines out loud without thinking that's acting. So I was always drawn to it and loved television and loved movies growing up, but I didn't know any actors personally, so it wasn't something that was close. Then I got older and saw some plays, and in high school I was very interested, but I was playing sports, so I didn't do it. And then I went to a junior college, and they had a really great performing arts program. And with, you know, one of my coaches definitely was supportive, and uh, my parents were supportive, so I said, hey, let's, let's give it a try. And like, all the acting classes I can take. And about eight plays later, I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. And then I got into the conservatory at SUNY Purchase in New York. And yeah, that's pretty much how I got to where I am right now. Well, in addition to the uh, doubtless invaluable training that you received as an actor there, you also met your wife, Shay, while you were in college. How did the two of you meet? Wow. So um, at Purchase, you're in a company. And that same company goes to the four years together. So your company, you're together for 13, 15 hours a day, every day with the exception of summer break for like four years straight. And Shay was in my acting company. So, it, you know, our friendship, everything got accelerated because we were just together all the time and we just clicked. It just worked. And then four years later, it was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to marry her. 
And then a year later, we got married. So. <laughs> and still married. So and still was, married. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> now, back in 2006, you landed on Guiding Light, making your daytime debut as Remy Boudreau. So tell us your casting story for that show. Wow, that's an interesting one. I met the casting director, Rob DeSena, years before I was even brought in to read for Guiding Light. I was an extra and we kind of connected that way. And then he was really supportive of, you know, going to purchase and all that stuff. So from the first time I met him, flash forward about four years later, I'm at purchase. I'm a junior, my third year, and I was the lead of a play. And I invited him, you know, my, my class was we were just trying to invite industry people to see our work <laughs> just so <laughs> we can get a job after school. And I invited him to see the play I was in, Six Degrees of Separation. He came he really loved my work and he said, I want to bring you in and just do like a, a pre-read, like nothing. Let's just come in and read. And I did it. And then like a year after that, he uh, brought me in to meet Ellen Wheeler and we kind of did a read. And it wasn't necessarily an audition for Remy. It was just to see how I read and how I, um, you know, broke down the script and interpreted just the story. And they, they, they really enjoyed it enjoyed me. So they decided to bring Remy back as me in 2006 to make a long story short. Yeah. So you ended up spending three years in Springfield and your first storyline saw your character mix up with Tanny and Jonathan played by Stephanie Gachet and Tom Pelfrey. Like what stands out to you about um, your early days on the show and finding your footing in the fast paced world of daytime TV? It was a hurricane. Um, cause I was still at, I was still in school when I started working. I, I, I started shooting, I think in like March and I was, I was still finishing out my last year at purchase and purchase had a strict rule of you cannot work while you're in the conservatory. So I was like dipping out of class, coming <laughs> up with reasons why I'm not available. Yeah, they'll never see you. You're just on television. Just, yeah, I knew I, I, I had at least till like They'll never May. know. <laughs> I said, if I can get to May before they notice. So yeah, so, but at Purchase, you know, we were still doing plays and our scenes in class. We were shooting a film at Purchase with the Film Conservatory. So I would just sit with all these stacks of scripts including guiding lights, trying to like get it all down while sneak out of school <laughs> into the city <laughs> to go shoot. So the first like couple of months, it was just like a whirlwind and the, the, the speed. Cause you know, when you're studying theater, you know, everything's about time. You know, we doing six week rehearsals for a play that's only going up for four days. You know, we're, we're working on scenes for a whole semester. And then I show up on guiding light and it's like, wait, we're shooting all this today? <laughs> we're, we're rehearsals only for like 30 minutes. And we, so it was like, it definitely, it took a while for me to get into the, to the speed of it, especially coming from the other training. But uh, I had some really great teachers at Guiding Light and people I looked up to and just stole from and pulled from. Well, you did work with a pretty good cross-section of that cast. Um, you know, who in particular helped to show you the ropes or maybe mentored you? I mean, everyone to a certain degree, everyone was just giving. I remember just working with Tom and Stephanie, you know, they were, they were giving, you know, it wasn't too long ago where, you know, they were new kids on the block. So they, they definitely got it. And Tom, 
he went to Rutgers, which is a similar program to purchase. So he understood what I came out of and what I was going in. So he's very supportive. John Driscoll, who played Coop. I mean, really everybody that I crossed paths with were just, it was a very supportive group. And then, you know, when I finally met Ivana, who played Mel, my sister, it was like, she definitely took me in as well as Kim Brockington, who played my mom and Robert Newman and Kim Zimmer, like really everyone that I worked with or came in contact with. We knew that we were in this thing together. And I think they saw my effort and how much I wanted to be good and, and do well. So just, I mean, support from everyone. Well, I want to hear about when Remy became a cop and worked on the Springfield Police Department with one Mr. Ricky Paul Golden at Daytime Bay. What do you remember about uh, working with Ricky Paul? Oh, man. Ricky Paul, it's so cool. You know, I was very fortunate as Remy to like pretty much get get a chance to work with everybody just about. And everyone that I worked with had a different style or a different approach. And the thing I loved so much about Ricky was he was so effortless. Like everything, I just felt like he just was. Like there was no performance to him. He was just everything. It was so authentic and, and unique and specific to him. So working with him, I was just, just watching him and just trying to learn and, and steal and adapt everything he's doing. And he's another giving person, just a very warm, very warm, sweet person. Mm-hmm. Now, your primary love interest on that show would actually become a recurring theme in your professional life. Right. Um, <laughs> you were paired with Carla Mosley, who played Christina and went on to become your B&B co-star as Maya. So do you remember the first time you met her? Yes, it was like really before we shot our first scene and you know it was it was weird this one we, we we were shooting in some office in the cbs broadcast center that took a while to get to so we had a, like a nice long walk and we just talked and just you know got to know each other a bit and then we did the scene and at that point on guiding light i was i felt very free as remy i felt like i can pretty much do whatever and it would work like i knew the characters so well and I naturally, we just caught on to each other's playfulness quickly. We understood like, oh, we kind of play the same way and have fun the same way. So it was almost like screen artistic love at first sight. You know, well, we got each other's language really fast. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Now you were there during the time that GL's production model shifted from, you know, being confined to the studio in Manhattan to doing a lot of shooting on location in PPAC, New Jersey. So what was that transition like for you? I loved it. <laughs> I Okay, loved this is a it. podcast first. <laughs> You're the first Guiding Light actor who loved it. <laughs> I, this is the reason why. Um, and I know reasons why people didn't definitely understand and respect it. But for me, it was like, you come onto a show like Guiding Light, you know, it's 50 years on TV, 70 years, including radio. You come into this thing knowing like you are, like a little speck in this universe. And when they shifted models, all of a sudden, the producers, the writers, the makeup, the wardrobe, the actors are all on new ground. So all of a sudden, it went from veterans who've been on the show for 30 years to now we're really all in this together and we don't know how this is going to work. And I enjoyed that kind of feeling that we're all stepping onto the frontier together And although, you know, the shooting, I think we were ahead of our time when it came to technology, but Mm -hmm. it allowed itself to be more cinematic in a way. You know, we can, um, we didn't have to, 
we can downplay some of the acting. We can be a little bit more subtle because the camera was closer. I remember the scenes were actually shorter. So we didn't just have long scenes of just explaining what's going on. We, it was more conversational. And I remember one scene I had where it just really clicked while I was with Rob Bogue, who played Mallet. And we were sitting on the train tracks, real train tracks outside. I'm picking up rocks and just kind of chucking them. And we're having this scene. And it just felt so real. And yeah, <laughs> I fell in love with that style. Uh -huh. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Kat. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, better, it's better to hear that. Um, <laughs> now, of course, Guiding Light was sadly canceled in 2009. So mm. what do you remember about getting the news? And what was oh. it like to be part of the end of such a historic show? Uh, I remember I, I was in PPAC getting ready to shoot on location. And I was in the chair. Uh, may she rest in peace, Helen, our wonderful makeup artist. She was uh, touching me up. And, you know, we were on a high because we just got back from, like, Florida. We felt like we were getting support from CBS and Procter mm -hmm. & Gamble. We were, I was saying, like, there's no way we're getting canceled. I mean, we just came back from Universal. We just had a whole experience. There's no way. And then they called us down. Like, Ellen's here. We're like, what? And they called us down. And it was April Fool's Day, right? So we already was like, this is ridiculous. And Ellen, you know, drove up from the studio and gave us the news. And it was, it was, it was very um, sombering. It was very sad. And but we decided, like she said, it's up to you guys. You can keep shooting today or we can call it a day. And we opted to keep shooting. And the next scene I had was with Gina, who played, you know, Dinah and yeah, when I see that scene, if I pull it up on YouTube, I can almost see like the weight <laughs> a little oh, wow. bit. But um, but at the end of the day, we had three months to wrap our story, which I thought was great. Um, we weren't just canceled and we got to get out of here next week. So we had time to go through all the stages of grief, you know, sad and then happy that we get to go out the way we want to with an angry that we're going out at all <laughs> and then confused. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the last day, back to just being joyful. Um, the last episode, they um, they really found a nice way to button it, but as well as make sure like all the casts were on location together in PPAC. So after we shot our last scene, it might have been um, Kim and Robert. I don't remember who was the last scene, but we were all there. And then we had a barbecue. We had a football game. I remember Tom like knocked the crap out of me while I was running the ball. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I didn't see him coming. Okay. How did he's a big. He's exactly, a big guy. Exactly. Exactly. He's a big guy. Um. So yeah, it was just a wonderful. If you if you had to end, that was the way to end. Mm -hmm. So you know, you had never had the experience of being an actor, you know, an actor out of school without a job. So that was a new experience for you. Like, so what did you do once GL wrapped? Did you move to LA right away? Did you stick around New York? I stuck around New York. Um, just, you know, it's where I'm comfortable. It's where my family is. Um, and just auditioned and, and learned a lot after Guiding Light ended, you know, being so fortunate to get a job like that out of school I didn't have to go the mm -hmm. waiting tables route. You know, I didn't have to go audition, audition, pilot season, pilot season. But when Guiding Light ended, I jumped into that world of just what's the next job and auditioning. And I realized that 
you need to get your edge back because you got comfortable, <laughs> you know, having this job, which was wonderful, but you didn't cultivate that grounding the pavement thing. So it was good for me to stay in New York because I feel like in New York, it's just a different beast. So stayed in New York and just auditioned and got work here and there and just pushed. And then about 2012 is when I made the move out to Los Angeles. So like, yeah, but yeah, about three years made the move out to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But in 2009, you did collaborate with Carla Mosley on the digital web series, Wedlocked. And you were joined by some of your other grinding like castmates, Ivana Wright, Kim Brockington, Zach Conroy in front of the camera. So was that aspect of showbiz, like the writing and producing side, always of interest to you? It really was. The writers at Guiding Light, like especially uh, Jill Laurie Hurst, like really entertained my, mm-hmm. my thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> and would have conversations with me. I think because I just so, showed so much interest, you know, they were willing to, to, to talk to me. And, and here's another PPAC thing or, or when we trained changed models of how we shot this show that I found interesting was I got to see how they made it for the first time. Well, as before, you know, you're on stage, they're in a booth, it's a well-oiled machine, we show up, we act. Now shooting on location, I got to see them produce, like actually see them on set. And I was just, I was just learning how they did it and how they were able to get all this material done in a short amount of time. So for the like year and a half, I'm just studying them and asking them questions. Um, so, yeah, I was like, I, I, I would love to do this. And then when Guiding Light was ending, Carla, her mother said to us, you two should do a spinoff. And we were like, OK. Then we thought about it. Man, that would be fun if we like did a show because, you know, Remy and Christina were married and divorced and married and divorced and like kind of had that will they won't they thing. And I was like, it'd be fun. Like we did a, a, a web series about marriage and just the realness of it. You know, I was married for a few years and at that time she was about to get married. So we had a lot, like a lot of ideas. And then we, we set out to shoot it. We, like you said, we brought on some of our co-stars, but you know, as equally as important, our whole crew was made up of our location crew from Guiding Light. <laughs> we asked all of them to come. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of the pe- ki- uh, people on location were, were people right out of NYU or other film schools on location. So we're like, guys, you want to, you want to do something? And we did it. And it was, it was great. Well, the year after, it sounds like if you moved in 2012, I think at the very tail end of that year in, in time for a debut in January of 2013, you landed back on daytime and you joined b in the role of Carter Walton, lawyer and wedding officiant extraordinaire. Uh, so <laughs> tell us how b <laughs> came about. Oh, wow. Honestly, it came... I came out to L.A. for a Young and the Restless audition um, to meet with producers for Young and the Restless. I didn't fit that character, but CBS liked me enough. Uh, Angelica McDaniel at the time, who was the head of um, you know, CBS Daytime, uh, enjoyed me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and she had me uh, meet with Brad Bell. And she was like, I guess, you know, you should meet him. And me and Brad sat down and we hit it off man we hit it off we just had such a great conversation and you know i've been i grew up watching young the restless and bold and the beautiful my 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 aunt would literally shut the cartoons down in the living room and throw in the tape 
<laughs> and I'm watching. So I was watching Sheila and Lauren go at each other. I was watching all that stuff. And I told Brad, like, like I'm a fan of this stuff. This is I really enjoy what you guys do. And then, yeah, and then Carter came about. Love that. Now, had you auditioned for any other soaps in that period between Guiding Light and B&B? I think I probably auditioned for all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or had a meeting with um, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, soap is so, it's, it's very interesting because when you're auditioning and then more or less when you're casting, it, you know, I think sometimes fans can think it's random or they can think like, Oh, they found a new thing. And it's like, they're really fitting puzzle pieces into something that's already been built for decades. So, you know, you can audition, you can have the best audition in the world or the worst audition in the world. If, if you, if your puzzle piece doesn't fit this thing that they're trying to, you know, continue, then it's not going to, you're not, you're not going to get the role. So I, I knew that beforehand that whatever I was going into, it's like, I get it. I get it. You're matching a belt to a pair of shoes. So I just enjoyed getting to work on material from other shows and seeing how different it's written or what the tones are. Mm-hmm. So to be long-winded, yes, I did audition mm-hmm. <laughs> for some other shows. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good observation about how, you know, what a, what a, I think that's a good analogy about uh, daytime casting. So you actually uh, made your debut on BNB like just a handful of episodes after Carla began airing as Maya. So was that, it sounds like just a total coincidence that you both wound up at BNB at the same time. I, me, you know, Carla and I, we've talked about this and we still don't really know mm-hmm. what, <laughs> what transpired. Uh, I met with Brad first and I will say well, a big thing that Brad and I talked about was wedlocked as mm-hmm. well. We talked more about wedlock than we did guiding light. Um, he was re- he just really enjoyed what we created and how we did it. So I had my meeting, and then a couple of days later, Carla gives me a call. Who, like a week before that, I just randomly bumped into her. Didn't even know she was in L.A. Oh, <laughs> she gives me a call. Yeah, it was just random. And then she gives me a call like a few days after I had my meeting with Brad. And she says, the weirdest thing just happened. I just met with Brad Bell in Bold and the Beautiful. I'm like, me too. (laughs) And we were like, okay. And then, you know, we found out we were cast. And we don't really know how how these things crossed or not. Because I I still don't really know. But um, I'm happy it happened. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So are we. (laughs) I mean, now it's actually been seven years since your debut. So, you know, back then when you, when Carter first arrived, he was connected to Marcus, you worked, Mm -hmm. you know, the Marcus Daisy story. Um, You know, what were your first impressions of this new character and show? Like what were your early years like? Wow. Uh, I remember I was surprised because, you know, they say like, if you ever, if you're ever on a show, you find a set that feels like a family. It feels like home. You've hit the jackpot. And we had that with Guiding Light. So when I showed up the Bold and the Beautiful and experienced the same type of family feel, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I hit, like, lightning struck twice. This is great. So the people were fantastic. Definitely different from Guiding Light as far as me. You know, I Guiding Light, I knew nothing coming out of school. Here, I've experienced daytime. I've experienced working. So I came in definitely a little bit more level. <laughs> than I was before, which was crazy. And, you know, it was great. And I mean, me in Texas, we hit it off. Um, I think he was really excited to have family, uh, a brother. Um, 
So we would come up with things to do in our scenes to really strengthen our bond, you know, uh, whether we're throwing up the Texas, you know, the Hook'em Horns, Texas thing. Um, uh, and just working with him and Crystal and just starting out with them was fantastic. It was similar to Guiding Light. Like, you know, it kind of just took me in and took Carla in and like said, yo, we're in this together. Let's make this work. And we got your back. And that was the feel of everybody. You know, when I first showed up, I think Allie Mills and um, John McCook were the first person I saw on set and they were just extremely loving. So, yeah. And then, you know, the storyline that we jumped into was pretty heavy. So that was fun. Um, dealing with, you know, Maya looking for a child and trying to protect Daisy from any legal, you know, situation she can be in from what she did. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to kind of jump right into a story like that and have family. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and Ricky good. Paul factored into that story too, very briefly. He did, and I wasn't there the day he worked, <laughs> but that's uh, just not right. Uh, he did. It was just great. It was, and and also, you know, Crystal Chappelle was recurring when I showed up too, and Zach Conroy was recurring, and you know, M who played Lizzie on Guiding Light, and Riley, she was across the hall doing Young and the Restless. So when I showed up, it was like. Hey, you know, seeing I know all my, people here. I know people. So it kind of <laughs> yeah, got that, yeah. you know, new kid at school feeling kind of went away. There were so many people there that I knew from before. So hey, it was great. Yeah. So uh, probably the biggest story I think that we've seen Carter involved in was the landmark storyline mm. of Maya coming out as transgender. Um, so particularly because you had worked with the character of Maya first, you know, been in story for a while at that point were you surprised when that that twist was introduced yeah (laughs) i absolutely was because it we went through what you guys went through because brad bell i feel like only like the some of the producers and carla knew like the rest of us didn't know and they wouldn't tell us so we're reading these scripts like what is her secret what and we would guess and carla would say I can't tell. I can't. So we're like on the edge of our seat trying to find out what is this thing? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, like you guys are. And when I found out, I was like, wow, wow. So I kind of had the same reaction you guys did when you found out. And I thought it was bold. I said, wow. Okay, let's go. You know, let's, let's tell the story. And I remember, you know, Bold and the Beautiful and CBS, they were so you know, respectful and responsible over this story. We sat with Glad and we had some training on just, you know, what it is, what that experience is to, 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 you know, disclose and what that experience is to feel marginalized in that way. Um, just so we were able to do interviews and approach the material in the most authentic and respectful way. And it, it, it was powerful, but yeah, like when we found out, I, I was just like you guys. My, my jaw dropped. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Now we actually recently did a very fun piece with this, but Carter is undoubtedly the most prolific marriage officiant on daytime, <laughs> presiding over the lion's share of nuptials on B and B. So, as you look back over all of the ones you have done, um, do you mm-hmm. have a favorite wedding that Carter has performed? Hmm. I have a couple favorites for like different reasons. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites is the first one with um, Stephanie and Liam and her riding on the motorcycle. And it was my first time on location outside of the studio, you know, at the house. And then just seeing Jackie riding on this motorcycle, I thought it was just really cool. 
So that was fun. It was the first time. I think uh, Zende and Nicole might be my favorite one on set. Just being on set. Because we had a lot of fun standing. We were, we, I mean, we were there for like 14 hours, 15 hours. It was a very long day. And it was one of those days where we were just having a lot of fun and cracking jokes. And, you know, I'm standing up there like the whole time. <laughs> so that that was a lot of fun on set and um i would have to say the ridge and brook just because that's royalty right there you know so to be a part of marrying ridge and brook that's like come huge. on that's, yeah, that's yeah, huge sure. so that 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 was definitely like fun in the sense of being a part of history um, now, did you think yeah. it was going to be a one-off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because cause now they call like Carter a minister and stuff. I'm like, Carter, <laughs> in the beginning, he was just like, I'm here to help you guys with some law stuff. I don't even know if I'm going to stay in L.A. Oh, Liam, Steffi, you don't know someone to do your wedding? Well, I do have my license. I used to do this on the side. That was what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. Little did I know. And then more came through. And the cool one, there was another one that was cool with um, Rick and Caroline, like after Thanksgiving dinner, we just uh-huh. did it. So it was fun. It was fun. And they remained fun. But I didn't think I'd have like, like over 10 in the game. I don't know. I lost count of how many. How many fictitious weddings do you need to perform before you can just get an actual license in the mail. Listen, I can, if I got my license, I can, I can do a wonderful wedding right now. <laughs> yeah, right? I believe like it. I know exactly what to say. <laughs> I can tell you this. We had enough to fill four pages. Yes. So it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> the Deacon and Quinn was fun too. Cause oh, they were yeah. using like straps and like bondage Cause they had like a whole bondage relationship. So that was pretty fun. That was a fun one. And no one was at the wedding. And no one. So it was a a quick day as well. well. That's so funny. Now, another thing that is interesting about you and kind of unique is that in 2015, you actually penned some scripts for B&B, really terrific ones at that. How did that come about? Thank you. They were so good. I have to uh, say, like, it stood out. Like, I remember one, it was funny. You just, like, totally got a sense of the show with your scripts. They were so great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, Brad and I would talk storylines for years. I mean, we still do. You know, we'll, we'll have a just a conversation, you know, because I'm, like, from the beginning, I've just been very interested in how the show works. So we would just talk story. And not Carter, just Bold and the Beautiful, and, and where do you want to go, and what do you think about this? And I think he saw my earnestness and like really caring, not in there to push Carter, but in there to just really learn and pick his brain. Um, I always say, if you got a chance, I'd love to pick your brain. And then uh, we did Roommate. I think after we did that, the 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 web series mm-hmm. that you know was a show within a show, we got to really know each other. And then one day he said, "Hey, you want to write an episode?" I was like, ah, yeah. But I was like terrified on the inside just because it's a monster. Like people don't, like actors talk about the speed and how fast it goes. The writers write even faster. Like they write even faster. They get that outline and they got to knock that bad boy out. And sometimes while they're writing, the episode before theirs is being written. So it's not like they can always 
check the episode beforehand to make sure like, oh, we're not saying the same thing because it's, it's a machine. It's moving, it's moving, it's moving. So just jumping into that, it was like, wow. And they gave me some grace, but I didn't want to take too many liberties because I wanted to experience like what they experienced. And I wrote a, a test script. It was um, when Liam and uh, Hope, and they all went to Amsterdam. Uh, it didn't air, but that was like my, I guess, audition script. or just a script to make sure that I understand the story. And then, yeah, I, I penned a couple scripts. And, you know, when we're on set, we're at, you know, we're talking. You know, the actors, we're talking about our story. We're talking about our characters. We're talking about what we would like to see. Well, what about this or what about that? So going in writing, it was like, I get to play Liam. You know, I get to play Bill. I get to play Brooke. I get to experience with, you know, Kelly, Catherine Kelly Langfields playing Brooke by getting to write her. And, and if I've had enough conversations with her, I should be able to get into, you know, whatever that sensibility that Brooke has. And I remember, um, so on, in our scripts, I don't know if you guys, you probably, you know this, I'm sure that everyone knows this, but we have like PC scenes, right? It's a scene that we specifically shoot for our international audience because our show is longer in some areas abroad. So they get an extra scene. And usually that scene doesn't push the plot forward. I can't do anything crazy because the U.S. doesn't get that scene. But the PC scenes will usually air on YouTube if you want to see the bonus scene. You can go on CBS channel on YouTube, check it out. So I had uh, the second script I was writing, I had like Liam and Wyatt in this scene. And I was like, they have never talked about the fact that they both, both have lost children and have both lost the love of their lives after they lost the baby. Like they both have this thing that happened almost the same way, but they never talked about it. Ooh. And I was like, and I know it's something that I'm sure Scott and Darren, you know, who play White and Liam would love to just touch on. So I was like, I'm going for it, <laughs> you know, and, and it awesome. turned out. Yeah, just because I get to sit with the actors and it's like if I can get an idea of what they would want or what they would want to say, I would try to like just fit it in. That, that, you know, that, that, that was my training as far as writing is being on set with them, you know, and watching things play out. But, you know, it's fun. It's a lot of work. It's fun. <laughs> would you want to do more? I would. I would. It's, 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 it's such a fun and interesting challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to do more. Yeah, I'm telling you. I remember yeah. that. I just, oh, I guess, because obviously we flagged because we knew they were yours. And just as like an everyday viewer, I really noticed just that you infused some humor and just uh, that you understood the characters. And it's interesting how you're explaining it now, because that was what I felt watching it. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now, I think everyone would agree that Carter is a total catch, but he has really not been so lucky in love. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's too busy preparing all those weddings, like to go out on a date. I do not know. Um, but it seems in recent months he has taken a shine to the lovely Zoe, played by Kiara Barnes. So were you excited to find out that Carter was going to get, you know, a new romantic entanglement? I mean, I thought it was interesting. Like, I know I didn't know where it was going like you guys when you watch it. So I'm like, this is interesting. I don't know where it goes, but it's definitely fun to to play and and, and play interest and, and 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 flirt and you know get to like really uncover like what does Carter see about Zoe, especially at a time where she came back from the whole baby scandal. You would assume most people at Forrester would might be kind of like 
judging her or not trusting her. But for some reason, when Carter sees her and looks in her eyes, he sees something. So it was really fun to just do the work and uncover, like, what is that thing he sees in her? Um, so, yeah, but like like you guys, I'm like, I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> I'm waiting on the scripts. But no, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And she's, I mean, Kiara is just so much fun to work with. And I always love getting a chance to work with, you know, someone new for the first time because it's just a, there's always a spark or, or a thing that's fresh. And, and, and she has a wonderful play spirit. So we just connect really well. Well, away from the show, Lawrence, you have had a big couple of years in your personal life. You and Jay welcomed your first child, your son, Christian, uh, in 2018, mm. He's just about to turn two. Uh, so tell us what it's been like these past yeah. few months, like presumably getting to spend a lot of quality time with the family and your son in particular, given everything going on in the world. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's that bittersweet thing, right? It's unfortunate that all these things are going on. But the sweet part is, is that I just get to be with him so much and spend so much time. Our, our bond has become so tight and, you know, he's, <laughs> listen, no one's taking mama's place, right? <laughs> but I have closed the gap a little bit. <laughs> you know, daddy is, is, is cool too now. <laughs> um, it's just great. It's great. It's just great. And then, you know, since we're on lockdown, uh, we really have to do our due diligence to teach him and stimulate him and do our best to make sure that he's not missing milestones in his development. So we're just super involved, more involved than I guess we would have been just sending him to daycare. Um, so it's just I've definitely grown as a father and as, as a husband, as a man during this time through him. So. It's an unfortunate situation, but, but that is the fantastic part about it, if there can be. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you and Shay were certainly married for a long time before you had your first child. Yeah. So yeah. what was that like <laughs> for you to introduce, you know, now a new dynamic into what was a very, you know, long-term relationship that was one way? Man, it's so funny because we were coming back from the holidays and she said, you know, she wasn't feeling well. But we thought, you know, we were eating a lot of junk over the holidays. So maybe it's just that. And then I was back to B&B and we were doing a wedding. I forgot. Oh, shocker. <laughs> and Carla pulls me aside and she tells me she's pregnant. And I was like, oh, wow, congratulations. And then I pulled her aside and said, how did you know? <laughs> and she was like, well, I felt this and felt that and felt this and felt that. And I'm like, okay. I called Shay. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy a pregnancy test on the way home. <laughs> and she took the test and it turned out positive. And of course, we're, we're, we're happy. And I was like, we had a good run. We had a solid run. We had like 10 years in the game. So let's go. Let's change this thing up. But yeah, yeah, wild, wild completely changes everything for the good. But it definitely is different. You know, well, he is adorable. The photos oh. you post are yeah, to die for. Yeah, so. Thank you. Totally, totally. And what has it been like since you had been married for so long? You know, seeing your wife in this new role as mother. It is. I mean, there's no words for it. It's 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 magnificent. It's just like awesome. Doesn't describe it. It's like 
there's something like I, I don't know, like and it's in men too, but in women, there's something like that once they have there, there's a baby, like there's a part of them that is now activated. And the intuition and the instinct. I'm like, how did you even <laughs> know? He didn't. She's always right. She was always right about everything. And I'm like, how did you even know that's what he needed? He can't talk. How did you even know he's about to poop? He didn't even poop yet. It's the same, you know? And and then literally, like, he cries. And then, you know, her. she starts to lactate. It's like the connection. And and what that changes in a person, and I was just in awe. I'm like, I'm, I got to catch up. <laughs> I gotta, I'm trying to activate. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same as I was yesterday. <laughs> You're like a superhero. No, it, it, it's wonderful. It's it's so wonderful. Oh, it's great. Um, now, of course, we know B&B was the first show to go back into production and resume filming since the pandemic began. Mm. The first episode back, Carter is playing a very big role in. He seems to be the conduit to explain everything that happened before the break happened. So what's it been like being back to work? Man, it's outside of the, just the work. It's just seeing your friends again, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen these people since like the beginning of March and just to see them and, you know, we see them on Instagram and we'll, we'll, we'll text back and forth here and there, but just to see them in person, you know, distant, socially distant. Of course. <laughs> to see them in person. It's just wonderful. And it's great to be back. It really is. It's great to be back. Um, everybody there is doing some really great work and it's fun to be in this episode. I feel like Carter, I don't want to toot my own horn here. But I feel like Carter is the only character who can justifiably not know what's going on, but Mm -hmm. also can justifiably care about what's going on at the same time. So he's the perfect one to tell him what's been going on, you know, and, 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 and you won't, you as the audience won't go, how does he not know this? It's like, well, he's here and not here. Um, so it's just really fun. It's really fun to be back. It's, it really is. Did you feel like rusty at all? Like when you had the script in front of you to memorize, presumably for the first time in a few months? Uh, my mouth, yeah, um, definitely felt like, it felt like riding a bike. But you know, like everybody says riding a bike, it's just like riding a bike. Yeah, but that first second when you get on and it's a little wobbly, <laughs> and then like it's, you know, and then it kind of is just smooth. It's easy, but like that first, like, oh yeah, my mark, and oh yeah, this. But then it's like riding. It's really riding a bike, um, and you know the characters so well. They don't, they don't, they don't leave you. But definitely, uh, it was like, oh man, we're back in the game. Yeah, maybe it took like a couple seconds before it felt like okay, breathe. We're back. You know, when you actually heard that you were coming back and that there were these, you know, new ideas for production and all of that. Like, what was your reaction? You know, Brad was pretty vocal about how he was really, you know, working to get the studio refitted and had all these new ideas. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was wonderful that they were doing their due, their due diligence and just making sure everything was safe. At the end of the day, I'm still waiting to see what, you know, our mayor and governor are saying and waiting to see what our unions are saying as well. So I'm kind of just, just waiting, <laughs> just patiently mm-hmm. waiting 
to see how this all turns out and when it turns out putting like putting no pressure on it just like yeah we'll 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 see how it comes out but i'm happy that they're doing the best they can to make everything safe and then when i heard it was going back into production i thought it was, it was wonderful because i know that if it was going back it was going to be like to the t you know the perfect way you can come back into production so no yeah i i thought it was great well remarkably Next year is going to mark the 15th anniversary of your soap opera debut. As you look back, I know that's a wild number, right? How could it possibly be? You're only 20. Um, As you look back, though, only 19 years old. How did that? (laughs) uh, What What would you say? It you know, as you think about the totality of the time you've spent in soaps, what does it meant to you to have found a professional home in this genre, especially one that you grew up, you know, as part of your life? I mean, it's it's one of those things that you don't you don't think about because you know you're on to the next day, but then every now and then you like, I want to go on YouTube and see old episodes. And you're like, oh wow, there's a lie here. <laughs> I forgot I did this, and you start kind of going through your own vein. This is your life, and it just hit me like just being very fortunate. You know, and in and, and guiding light, you know, I was looking at Remy and Cyrus stuff, working with Murray and then, you know, working with Marina. And I'm, long, I'm looking at Bold and the Beautiful and seeing the, you know, Carter Ridge scenes and scenes with Carter Quinn scenes. And it's like, man, I've gotten a chance to work with just amazing people for a long time. And I'm just, I'm, this is, I'm very fortunate. It's very fortunate that I've been able to do this. And then, you know, growing up, this watching it and now being in it. And then, you know, my, my aunt and grandmother, they, they watched, they've been watching Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful since episode one, wow. year one. You know, so to be on it, you know, and I get on the phone with them and they start telling me all the things that's going to happen because <laughs> they know it better than we do, <laughs> which is natural. <laughs> um, this is just very fortunate and grateful to, to work with people like this. Well, that's, that sounds really amazing. And we're so happy that you were able to join us today and share your stories. Absolutely. And we look forward to seeing Bold and Beautiful and you back on the air. Yes. So yay. And have a wonderful day, Lawrence. We hope to speak to you soon. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Lawrence St. Victor for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.